From the Under Review and Blue Wire Hustle, this is Under Review Radio. After a long hiatus, we are back. We're back with new episodes under a new name, new art, and a new format. My name is Terry Horseman. It's great to be talking to you again. I'm the executive editor of The Under Review, affectionately known internally as the coolest literary journal on the planet. Fresh off our first notable mention in the best American essays. No big deal. (laughs) Uh, I'm also the host of our podcast, which used to be called With the Call, and we are now calling Under Review Radio. We didn't mean to be gone this long, but it's a pandemic, it's been a tough couple years, and sometimes creativity is hard. I wish I had a better reason for you than that, but that's pretty much the long short of it. I'm sure you understand. But now, we are back, and I am thrilled to be here. Going forward, Under Review Radio will have alternating weekly episodes on the same feed as with the call. So if you're already a subscriber, no need to resubscribe. Every other Friday, I'll be joined by poet, basketball writer, podcaster, multi-time under-review contributor, and the Pushcart-nominated Jalen Utsi for a series of episodes we're calling Friday Reads. On these special Friday episodes, Jalen and I will talk about what we're reading, what we're writing, all the juicy Twitter discourse, and more through the lens of the literary world and also the sports world. The alternating weeks on Thursdays We'll be publishing author interview episodes, much like the 15 episodes of With the Call from last year. I'm so excited to have Jalen join me bi-weekly for Friday Reads. Jalen is a poet, a book reviewer, a sports writer from Miami, Florida. He earned his BA in English from the University of Miami and an MFA in poetry from the writing seminars at Johns, Johns Hopkins University. His work has been published in Into the Void, Northern Virginia Review, Florida Review Online, Cell Poems, The Under Review, of course, and others. He currently lives in Baltimore and is a contributor to Razball and a co-host of the Shot Tower Podcast. On today's episode, Jalen and I get into the bad art friend discourse one last time, we promise, and relate it to the current melodrama taking place with the Philadelphia 76ers. Jalen had my favorite tweet of the whole bad art friend discourse and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but can let you know we get real historical and real weird with it. So without further ado, thank you for tuning in once again at last to Under Review Radio, and please enjoy this first ever episode of Friday Reads. Uh, well, welcome to this this first edition of what we're calling Friday Reads, uh, something of a, a, a bi-weekly alternating episode of the author interview episodes for Under Review Radio. Uh, I never know if I'm using bi-weekly right. It's one of those things. I think it, me- it means twice a week and every other week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like cleave. Uh, yeah. It's one of those words. <laughs> We are going to be talking about all kinds of things on uh, on this show. Um, today we're starting, of course, it's a writing podcast, it's a sports podcast, it's a reading podcast. We'll talk about what we're jazzed about in the sports world and also the kinds of stuff that we're reading. Um, so unfortunately, we will be adding to the bad art friend discourse because it's our first time recording since then, even though that's died down a little bit. Uh, we need to talk about it for a variety of reasons. And joining me uh, on this episode is not the bad art friend, uh, but a, a good art friend, <laughs> multiple contribute, multiple time contributor to the Under Review, Jalen Utsi. Jalen, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. Happy to be on Under Under Review Radio, um, and I'm yeah looking forward to learning about this bad art friend discourse. Since as we'll get into. I have sure. not read anything about it <laughs> other than uh, some tweets. And and you had one fire tweet about it as well without reading it, which is impressive. I, I think you did the discourse right, Jalen. I think you, <laughs> you need to teach like a masterclass to other people in the writing community about doing the discourse right. Because you, you got in, you checked in on Twitter, sent off one fire tweet, 
and then got out. It's it's definitely the motto, I think. Get in, get out, you know, hopefully get some engagement with your one tweet um, and don't engage too hard because, you know, once you get to the third um, think piece, like nothing good comes from that. Right. And even the first, the piece in question was, it, it, it ruined an afternoon of work for me. And I, I say, I use the word ruined lightly because it didn't really ruin anything. It's not like I was really enjoying my, you know, work, my afternoon in my office at my actual job. I wasn't really doing anything. And then I saw what people were <laughs> erupting about. Uh, I, I, lo I love a good discourse in anything. It's what being on writer's Twitter and basketball Twitter, it's like how have I ever accomplished anything? Like, how have I gotten anything <laughs> done? There's always so many distractions, Jalen. Um, but so <laughs> before I read it, I saw your tweet that just said very clearly and very eloquently, disappointed to find out the discourse is not about Baudelaire's spleen. Yeah. I, w I wish you could like tweets more than once because that made me laugh <laughs> so hard, dude. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I do not think that I am one of the funnier, cooler people on the internet in writer Twitter or sports Twitter. I have a friend of mine who is a very internet person, a very online person who is much funnier on Twitter, has a much larger following. And so, yeah, I take those, I take my good tweets seriously. So I'll say that. For sure. Yeah. We need the first official mission of Under Review Radio is to get this amazing tweet which is at currently at nine likes uh to a hundred likes at some point so there's there gonna be go. some retweeting and quote tweeting that go that goes on um for people who have and also have not read bad art friend we're going to be talking about it in a not serious manner uh at all but the bad art friend if you're coming to this from a basketball standpoint as we are as tonight is opening night for most of the nba we're recording this on wednesday october 20th you're listening to it on Friday, October 22nd at the earliest. Uh, any bit of discourse and drama, I think, for those on basketball Twitter and on writer Twitter simultaneously, the first thought has to be, is who is the bad art friend? It has to be Ben Simmons, right? Yeah, I mean, it has to be. But I feel like you got you to gotta explain to me what the hell. Like, so uh, what I know of bad art friend is that I'll give the the sort of like completely out of touch explanation, right? What I know from like sifting together, coalescing people's tweets is that um, there was one person who used life details of another person who they were seemed to be in a writing group. And one of these people thought they were friends and the other person thought they were like a cardboard cutout moving through their life that they would use to populate their, fi <laughs> their fiction. That, I think that's all I know. Right. That's well, that's basically it. And it, it has you respond like, you know, a question of like, well, who really owns art and who owns fiction? I don't. Yeah, it, you basically summed it up right there. But I love when we started exchanging notes for this first episode of Friday Reads uh, and you say you hadn't read it and it would probably be funnier if you hadn't read it. And I was thinking about this, you know, through the eyes of Baudelaire, because I think thinking about it this way can help us understand bad art friend better. And also the Ben Simmons Sixers saga much better as well. Um, so my mind kind of went off and I have to do a little bit of disclaimer here. Nothing I say for the next handful of minutes is true at all. It's all <laughs> hypothetical, my imagination. Uh, but I think if you want it through the fictional guise of writers of the 1840s, so I think it can be best explained by imagining it that way. So the French poet and the father of modernity, the subject of your tweet, Jalen, Charles, one Charles Baudelaire. Mm -hmm. He gets the urge, suppose he gets the urge to donate his spleen to a complete stranger. Never mind the fact that organ transplantation wasn't done successfully at all until the 1950s. Obviously, we're dealing with an alternative history of medicine in this hypothetical uh, scenario. Not sure why, you know, donating a spleen or even just a, a kidney out of the blue occurs to you, um, especially if you're trying to use it to advance your career as an artist, but we're not here to judge. Baudelaire does this partially due to generosity, but also to fuel his artistic expression. And more importantly, so his peers will say nice things about him. I feel like you can say that about French poets, and that's probably, probably accurate. 
So I'm thinking like by carrier pigeon or what else, what else would be the DMs of the 1840s? I, I'm not sure. Uh, but he informs his entire artistic circle of the wonderful thing that he's done. Uh, and the praise starts pouring in immediately, despite not having Facebook. Uh, so things, responses come back. They make Baudelaire feel really good. Like, great job, Chuck, says Manet. Or you're a better man than I am, says Eugene Delacroix. Um, so Baudelaire went fishing for compliments from every artist he admired of the day. And almost every one of them took the bait. Almost every one of them. And maybe, you know, I don't know, Baudelaire scribbled the address sloppy. Um, I think maybe going from Paris to Baltimore might be too far to ask a carrier pigeon to fly. Or his friend just missed a letter or something like that. But at any rate, Baudelaire does, did not hear back from one of the authors of the day he most admired. And that author is, of course, Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> So Baudelaire writes Poe again, this time personally, and makes sure he gets it to him. And he says, hey, Edgar, not sure you've heard, but I've donated my spleen. This is significant for a number of reasons. Most notably, an organ was removed from my body and put into another person's body, which, you know, has never happened in all of human history. <laughs> and of course, this gets Poe to respond right away. And he says something along the lines of, you know, Charlie, my good man, I had seen you ventured into this most wickedly weird shit. What a wonderfully disturbing gesture on your part. You truly are a poet. No offense, poets. <laughs> um, so Poe is on record of acknowledging at least some kind of admiration for the removal of Baudelaire's spleen from his body in the name of being a kind-hearted artist. Maybe he didn't acknowledge it with the same enthusiasm Baudelaire was hoping for, but he did acknowledge it. So cool. We can move on now, right? Wrong. Just a year or so later, Baudelaire hears from his friend Delacroix again. Delacroix had been in Baltimore just to kick it, and while there, he ends up at a reading featuring several prominent writers, including Edgar Allan Poe, who reads from one of his short stories that would eventually make him an immortal figure in the world of writing. Charles, Delacroix writes to Baudelaire, I've just heard Edgar read a delicious sort of horror about a heart. The image of organs removed from one's body reminded me of you, naturally. It's possibly the best story of Edgar's I've heard and was curious if you had collaborated on this endeavor. Hope you're well. Delacroix was right, because I am of course talking about The Telltale Heart, originally published by The Pioneer, which did go on to become one of Poe's most read and beloved short stories. If you haven't read it, it's a first-person account from an unnamed narrator who insists he's not crazy while simultaneously informing the reader he just murdered murdered an old man because his eye looked weird. So, yeah, totally not crazy. <clears throat> Baudelaire is obviously shook. There is no collaboration, but once he read The Telltale Heart for the first time, he knew Poe couldn't have written it without him. Then he finds out that the original draft of The Telltale Heart wasn't about the old man's heart at all. In fact, he locates a copy of the original draft, and the title is The Telltale Spleen. Dun dun dun! <laughs> Baudelaire's mad about this. Edgar's mad that Baudelaire's mad. So Edgar talks a bunch of shit to everyone else. Baudelaire keeps talking shit. All of the carrier pigeon messages get subpoenaed by the FBI somehow and made public. And the conversation of who really owns art continues and still has no is no closer to a resolution that's basically what happened wow i mean i feel like listening to that you know i don't know if anyone listening to this is is planning to go to graduate school to get an mfa or do a phd but you made uh literary history so much more interesting <laughs> than i think many other things in my life and schooling have made them so by uh, you know it, totally a, as you were doing that i was just thinking to myself a donating a spleen that would be like the first concrete poem like we're just right. getting into like you know experimental poetry we're i started thinking about the dadaist and all of this is like mixing time periods because these these times are not the same they, they did not happen concurrently but yeah i'm just thinking wow we uh you may have stumbled on a new way to teach literary history. Thank you, Jalen. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Maybe I should get a PhD in writing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if, if, if any aspiring MFAers uh, listen to that and now want to talk, it is, my, it is my day job to 
uh, help people apply to MFA programs. So shoot, shoot me a note and we'll talk about more uh, historical fiction <laughs> about Baudelaire's organs and shit. <laughs> yeah, historical fiction uh, that somehow began in NBA or, or in literary Twitter, but is also connected to NBA Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you were talking about Ben Simmons being the bad art friend, my hot take, I want to say, is that uh, actually Joel Embiid mm-hmm. is the bad art friend because he's the one that sees Ben Simmons as a as a just a figure to um, improve or solidify his own greatness and success and status in the league. Um, and that, yeah, Ben Simmons is something else. He's somehow more open and and splayed for the public, though he tries at every possible right. turn not to be. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I guess that would be my that would be my flip yeah. on the situation. Or is Doc the bad art friend? I don't. Doc's probably just a bad friend in general. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 crazy. And thinking about it in those, I hadn't read Poe in a really long time, just because. You know, <laughs> I, I read Poe in high school and I remember really liking him in high school just because it was, you know, a lot of his works are short and, you know, who doesn't love just reading about horror and existential dread as an angsty teen uh, searching for their identity. Rereading The Telltale Heart, which I read in full this morning, like, what a creepy dude. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I haven't read much Poe myself, but I was going to say, you can probably say what a creepy dude about a lot of uh, literary figures. For sure, definitely. Um, you live in Baltimore, which I is do. also, which was Poe's, Poe's town. It, it, there's an Edgar Allan Poe museum there, yeah? Yep. Okay, so we need to, I feel like we need to do sort of a national treasure-like uh, expedition <laughs> to the Edgar Allan Poe museum, and we'll find some evidence that proves he actually stole the telltale heart from Baudelaire. <laughs> and even though I don't, did Baudelaire write short stories? <laughs> I'm not even. Well, I mean, the, the funny thing is the spleen, it was like uh, prose poetry, you know, one of the earlier examples of prose poetry, which is obviously fairly close to like the micro fiction or the short story. So, you right. know, maybe, maybe we could say that. Right. But yeah, so it wasn't, relevant but you know if if you're listening to this and you hadn't heard about bad art friend you probably saw kidney trending on twitter for (laughs) it a reason that you couldn't literally not have guessed um but yeah it does it's very it draws a line to the current drama going on with ben simmons because you know as a you're you're a miami heat fan lucky you uh i'm a fan (laughs) of the minnesota timberwolves who are one of the handful of teams who have been rumored to have extreme interest in Ben Simmons. So like two months ago, I was really into it and wanting to hear about it. Now I'm like, I just want to, st- I'm curious about the team we have. I don't know if I don't like, we, and this we fired our president of basketball oper- operations uh, out of the blue, apparently had been in the works for a while, but it was out of the blue to fans. Like, I don't want us to deal with another distraction uh, right now. And it's getting worse and worse by the day. So this went from, Especially with it being the off season, it was like, oh, give me all the Ben Simmons drama, inject it into my veins. I'm just refreshing uh, Shams and Woj's Twitter uh, timelines constantly. But now I'm just like sick of hearing about it. You know, he shows up to practice and gets kicked out of practice, gets suspended for a game. It's just like people keep read like writing more think pieces about bad art friend, especially the New Yorker, who is like, no one's really read the story, but we read it. And spoiler alert, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a that's a great um analogy because yeah, we're just retreading the same ground now. No one really has any news new new claims or, you know, modes of analysis for this for this topic. You know, it just seems like you're either with the organization or you're with Joel Embiid or you're with Ben Simmons and you've just, you know, you've planted your flag and you're dug in and no one is really moving anyone to the other side or even really making any new points. And yeah, it's, it's boring. And I feel like 
as of now, there no one's winning. You know, right. Sixers aren't winning because they're not getting the services of one Ben Simmons, who for all his flaws is still a pretty good player. I talked about this on the Shot Tower pod. Like the the thing that is so funny about this whole situation is that Daryl Morey is at once saying that Ben Simmons is not good enough. Um, and he's also saying at the same time by being, you know, it, extremely patient uh, with with securing a trade that Ben Simmons is better than a lot of the like spare parts people are offering for him. So it's a situation where it's hard to put a clear, you know, gauge or number uh, on Ben Simmons actual value because he is kind of this particular kind of player. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'll see. Hopefully it ends soon, but it certainly doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon. Right. And it is, yeah, it's pretty clear that no one's really winning or lo- no one looks good because there's there are people the Wolves fans and fans of I think maybe like the Pacers or, or Blazers or or other maybe the Wizards I think have been in it uh, a little bit like talks to a- acquire him and maybe have you know as fans we convince ourselves that it's the missing link and mm-hmm. it's it's it'll solve all of or it'll make all of our hopes and dreams come true. Uh, so those people are like oh like. Doc and Embiid are were through Simmons under the bus. They're being assholes. This is more their thing. Um, but you know the anti-Simmons camp uh, certainly has you know them stones to hold on to as well because he is a flawed player, and it's not the most encouraging behavior socially since uh, since that season last season ended. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's like the same thing in in the discourse as often happens, like no one really wins. I mean, I think if I were more of a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, I would probably be excited and hoping that the team traded for him because I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't want to have like basketball blogger brain or, you know, just internet basketball boy brain or whatever, but it just feels like Dan, you can't really get that far with D'Angelo Russell as one of your best three players. Um, and Ben Simmons for all his flaws is like probably a decent fit around what they have. If Anthony Edwards can like vault yeah. himself to that, like primary playmaker position, then Ben Simmons can kind of play uh, in the pick and roll with either, you know, Ant or cat, honestly, you know, he's not going to spot up anywhere. Um, but he, he, he doesn't help the spacing, I guess, but like the defense should be better. They could play in transition more, which will help. And, and I think Jaden McDaniels um, right. or yeah, Jalen McDaniels. Um, Jayden, so yeah. yeah, we have, we have Jaden McDaniels and Jalen Noel who are both mm-hmm. college teammates. So, you know, the, the L and the D. Yeah, the, the Jalen Jalen McDaniel's is on the Hornets. That's what right. Yeah, his brother, his brother Jalen for sure. Mm. But yeah, but not Jalen Utsi. You're here. I wanted to ask you about like so. Jalen Rose has been has publicly said he made the name Jalen cool, or like mm. he he's the godfather of all Jalens, whatever. Yeah. As a Jalen, how, how do you feel about that? And how do you feel about Jalen Rose? <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like saying you're the godfather of all Jalens is a bit it's just a bit big headed and I'm that, uncomfortable. That's, that's not a dir- that's not a direct quote, by the way, but that's you know <laughs> No, right. it's it's a topic someone has brought up to me before and yes. I'm sort of like I mean like maybe it's it I certainly think he made the name Jalen popular or more popular than it was at the time, but I don't know. Tough to say that you're the father of a name, you know, <laughs> right. like in the language that has been around for a decently long time. Right. Yeah. That's uh, like th- the top thing on his resume. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, stepped, uh, slid under Kobe and right. yeah. then got destroyed. That's, that's and basically it. Let Kobe score 81 points. Um, yeah. Shout out, yeah, to to Jalen Rose. I I I don't think I'll write much about Jalen Rose again in the future. He gets. I wrote an essay about Malik Seeley's buzzer beater against that Pacers team a while ago, and Jalen Rose was the one playing defense on Malik Seeley on said buzzer beater. It actually was pretty good defense for <laughs> for and Jalen Rose has joked about not being a good defender uh, publicly. So, but he actually played good defense on Malik, and uh, Seeley had to bank it bank it in um, yeah but yeah so it's hard hard to say you know it's 
even it's you know a, a thrilling buzzer beater against an elite defender on someone who let anyone even kobe bryant score 81 points in a, in a game <laughs> i remember that old there was an nba commercial where Jalen runs into kobe in a bar this is where they're both retired and kobe orders a martini with olives and the waiter asks how many olives and he looks at Jalen rose in the eyes and just says 81 <laughs> yeah that that's a very like recent past commercial archetype i feel like right <laughs> very 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 fun um but yeah i don't we don't need to talk more about bad art friend it came it went i don't need to think about either of those writers anymore or any of the think piece anymore um but it was it was a lot of fun um and it you know was it fit in nicely to this Ben this Ben Simmons Joel Embiid Philadelphia Sixers inevitable inevitable divorce that we had to talk about um but speaking of Simmons and the Sixers like has are there other sports feuds that this has reminded you of uh we wrote in notes there's like like it's Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding too dramatic. They were technically teammates on Team USA, but that's an individual ass sport, mm-hmm. and we're rivals. And I just don't know what else. Like, has there? I been mean, a- I guess Nurkic and Jokic maybe could have gotten to this point if they had like stayed on the team together. But it was just so clear, I guess, to the Nuggets that Jokic was better that they moved him, and you know, all of that was avoided. Um, Did they? dislike each other though i don't know if they necessarily disliked each other i just think they sort of like butted heads with like there just wasn't enough space for everyone um i mean i i in some ways i feel like um it's it's sort of i don't know if it's that similar but like the shaq kobe situation is pretty interesting comparison just you know you have a big man and then you know more like a guard but in, in this case, it's sort of the opposite where, I mean, well, it's the same thing where Embiid for the early part of his career was like not necessarily in shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Ben Simmons who like, if nothing else was in shape um, and healthy after that first year, but like wasn't improving his game. So there's like some parallels, but not many. And this one was like, I put Yasio Puig and Madison Bumgarner, but I put that there more so um, because of, I was thinking about the context of like bad art friend, because I feel like the Yasio Puig, Madison Bumgarner situation is like a beef because one person thinks that they're in a like, I don't know, some medieval jousting match where there's a very clear rules of decorum and the other person thinks they're like, uh, their head has been set on fire and uh, (laughs) if they don't hit a home run, they can't put it out for like another hour or something. Like it's just completely two different ways of like interacting with the sport of baseball. No, yeah, I like thinking about it in in those terms. But yeah, I don't know that there's been anything quite like a player playing as passive as Simmons played in that last game and just having his most important teammate and head coach absolutely not stand stand up for him or you know at least give you the the standard media brush offs but like win as a team lose as a team shit yeah. like that so um it's it's weird it's the team's deteriorating in a way that I don't think I've seen before and I guess that goes with like the internet age because when, even when Shaq and Penny broke up in Orlando, had Twitter been around, I'm sure things would have been entirely different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it just seems like Simmons is. I mean, I don't know. I don't even really want to get into this. I feel <laughs> like the conversations around Simmons are just. I can't. I can't decipher what's real from what's not, and what are what people are projecting onto him versus what is actually there. All I know is that like Joel Embiid, I can say this like positive things or, you know, not necessarily positive, but just true things I think we can all agree on about Joel Embiid is that like he is a kind of like genius, both he learned he picked up the game of basketball really quickly. Mm -hmm. He's incredibly skilled for someone who's late to the game of basketball. Um, And I think, you know, I I listened to I think it was uh, Pablo Torre was talking to um, Hinky. Uh, after like you know after Hinky's like years of basically being invisible and not doing interviews and all this stuff he did podcasts with Pablo Torre and you could tell or at least I felt like I could tell in listening to Hinky's comments that he just had like so much more like 
uh, appreciation and like was in awe of Joel Embiid in a way that he wasn't of Ben Simmons. And I think Mm -hmm. part of it was that skill development, just like the genius of him picking up like, you know, Hakeem's dream shake and these step throughs and, and just how skilled he is, but also the fact that, and Hinky mentioned this, that like he learned, he's learning, he learned a new language and he's like Mm -hmm. funny in a new language. Like that's not necessarily a super easy thing to do. He's like funny on the internet, you know, which is a kind of another kind of language. So I, I do think there is a kind of like learning just genius there or not genius. It's a stupid word, but like, you know, just an ability to, to learn things and take in information and then reapply it um, in a way that I don't think Ben Simmons has. And wrapped up in that is the fact that Joel Embiid knows how to play to the crowd in Philly, right. he, both when he's on the court and off the court through his Twitter and his comments in the media. Um, and, you know, like he's in a position now since he's very clearly the better player. He's the one that plays better in the playoffs. Like he's the one that the organization has chose uh, by the mere fact that they're trying to trade Simmons and were trying to trade Simmons before Simmons asked for a trade. But all of that is also sort of masking that Embiid is like not healthy all the time. He wasn't in the best shape early in his career. There's at least been parts of seasons, I think, where trusted basketball minds like, like Zach Lowe say, eh, I think the, the you know, Sixers defense was off because Joel Embiid just wasn't as engaged as he normally is. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like, Embiid has necessarily been a model citizen but he has won the war for like the hearts and minds of Philly fans and you know he's better so like I guess he's won the war in that sense as well right we're gonna move on from this but real quick I want to ask you this question does Ben play a game for the Sixers this season oh man I think I think he will like maybe they'll just have a they won't have practice before the next game or something <laughs> and, right. and he won't have a chance to get thrown out of practice and get suspended. Um, so I, I, I say he'll play, um, but that's a risky decision. You know, if I was the Sixers organization, what happens if he goes out there and just shoots a three every time, which would be hilarious or just <laughs> that like, is what I hope happens. <laughs> he's just like waving at people as right. they drive by him on the other end, like, drawing fouls so he has to shoot like a hundred free throws <laughs> <laughs> he's just getting his practice in in the games yeah use it use it as a as a growing moment ben um all right we have talked too much about that and i can't believe um someone's gonna pro- someone's in their car right now screaming how did you not bring up the jimmy butler saga in comparison to this <laughs> this saga uh but since jalen is a heat fan and i am a Timberwolves fan i and we're also talking about the sixers again wow that's a weird little, <laughs> uh, drama triangle uh we're, we're keeping it light here so uh we're not we're not gonna go into that especially doing this for the first time yeah in this rendition i've been on your podcast you've been on my podcast but you know, this is, this is a new partnership. So we gotta, gotta keep it peaceful. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I am pro I've been basically ever since I've been like a real sports fan, I've been pro just root for your favorite players. Um, like don't hate bandwagon fans because I always say that bandwagon fans for the most part, I think are people who are not as into the sport as the diehards are. And they simply gravitate towards the most fun teams, which is quite normal and and natural, right? If you're, if you're not like in every other aspect of life, that is not frowned upon. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't read much, but you want to get into fiction, you're not going to like start reading the, some really obscure person, you know, (laughs) you're going to read what people recommend to you. What's most popular. Right. Well, that's a great segue. You must podcast, Jalen, because we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about um, what we've been reading um, in these segments. We'll talk, you know, about, um, you know, books, essays, you know, sports things, non-sports things, whatever. We'll talk about any type of uh, written word possible, uh, just not that art friend, which we <laughs> have uh, put to bed. Um, but I, I love the list of uh, things that uh, you uh, said you've um, been reading, Jalen. So I'll let you go first. Uh, what are uh, you kind of uh, in the middle of or uh, recently finished? Yeah. Um, so I'm from Miami. Uh, much of my like current poetry manuscript is focused on Miami. So I'm trying to read a lot of just Miami things. So I've, I'm currently reading Joan Didion's Miami um, from back in the day, which is sort of a look at the uh, Cuban immigrant experience in Miami um, oh, wow. and the political elements involved in that. 
Um, I've been reading some Mary Rufel. Um, I just read, uh, I love the most of it. Um, I'm reading Apparition Hill. Um, and there's another book of prose poems that I just read of hers, uh, My Private Property. Um, and then as far as non, the, another nonfiction book, I read uh, Hanif Abdurraqib's Little Devil in America about Black performance uh, in America, which is a great book. And uh, Abdurraqib is like one of my favorite um, like nonfiction writers right this, now. And this might he's... just become a Hanif uh, um, <laughs> fanboy. Podcast. Yeah. Come on the pod, dude, if you, if you want to. If there's any yeah. chance to listen to this. Because uh, I'm, I'm uh, like halfway through Little Devil in America right now. And, uh, but I adore his other books and I'm, I'm visiting a friend of mine, uh, is teaching, uh, a creative nonfiction class to undergrads right now and, uh, invited me to come next week just to sort of talk about literary sports writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm sending them, uh, from his book, uh, they can't kill us until they kill us, uh, his cl amazing collection of essays. Go pick that up right now if you haven't read it, mm -hmm. but the essay, uh, titled, uh, it rained in Ohio on the night Allen Iverson hit Michael Jordan with the crossover. And I'm just so excited to to talk with these, you know, young people about how amazing I think that essay is. And also yeah. nerd out about Allen Iverson and Michael Jordan. So for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I've read pretty much I think I've read all of his books now, except for the newest poetry collection. So yeah, I really love that essay. And I think, yeah, he just he does an amazing job of mixing the personal um with the sort of public and cultural um he's probably like you know i think one of the better modern examples of that mm -hmm. yeah and i love joan didion too but i haven't read miami and until you started talking about it, i didn't know much about it is that it's not an essay collection right like it's just a, a full book length nonfiction. yeah full the... book length project um i think she was sort of like sent there on assignment that sort of deal and just right. like got went really deep into it um so yeah like i think my manuscript is sort of focused on uh partly on like this uh low income area in miami um it's predominantly black and hispanic and mm -hmm. you know i think a lot of the poetry about miami comes from the cuban immigrant experience um and there's less of the sort of like black miami which is sort of like depicted in the movie moonlight is what i always say is like probably the most seminal example of that so mm -hmm. yeah I guess in my manuscript I'm trying to sort of do that do moonlight for poetry so to speak nice that's ambitious but as someone <laughs> yeah. who's read your poetry I I know you can you can pull it off so thank you while, while we're well links to Jalen's um, poems in the under review are, are in the show notes so uh smash those right now we also and while you're there pick up some some of the new fire under review merch that I'm, I'm very, very excited about. Um, I, Joan Didion is one of my favorite writers and I can't believe that is something that I just haven't read yet. So I might have to order that from bookshop tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my, my stack of things I need to read is, is way too big at, at the moment. Um, but for me, I just finished uh, Mirren Fader's um, Giannis biography, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP. And I knew I was going to like this because I love Mirren's work. Uh, she's written for uh, Bleacher Report, or she wrote for Bleacher Report for a lot of years and is now at The Ringer. And it's just long form, like, work at its finest. Like, she just had, I, I haven't read it yet because it's, you know, of course, I need like a you know, half hour, 45 minutes to read the whole thing and digest it. But she has a profile on Chicharito that I believe got published today in The Ringer that people are just going gaga over on, on my Twitter timeline. Um, but I usually sort of, being a hater is not the right word, but you know, if you're, if you're in like a, a Barnes and Noble kind of bookstore and you walk by the section that says sports, like every single one is just a, a biography of some athlete written by some writer with access. And it's, and you know, Mirren Zion things like it's usually like an old white guy who has been a journalist for a long time. And I just kind of hate that idea of like that's what sports books are. Like the fucking Joe Namath biography titled Broadway has been like the best, <laughs> the sports bestseller at Barnes and Noble for like four years. I'm like, there's more interesting shit out there. Um, but this is like, if you're familiar with Mirren's work, like you're not surprised at all. It's fantastic. And 
going into it too, if you like Giannis, like you'll love Giannis by by the end of it. And it's just the the stories from all the access she had that she decides to tell are so great. She does such a good job of just sort of like finding just brilliant uh, pieces of story and like mundane things to sort of like how Giannis acts at like a practice facility when he's done practicing and is like mopping up the floor and not letting the janitor do it. And like, he's like <laughs> that to this day, just like these examples of who makes him like the person that he is. Um, and the Antetokounmpo's are just such an incredible family. And that story is amazing. So pick up Giannis by Mirren Fader immediately. If, if you haven't read it yet. Yeah, no, I haven't. I, yeah, it was definitely on my list. I am sort of familiar with her work. I think I've probably read all of her Lamello uh, features mm-hmm, yeah. that she did. She went to Australia. So, yes, I was like sort right. of a fan of Lamello early on. So I made sure to read those. So, right. she yeah. wrote about uh, him in Lithuania too, mm-hmm. like yeah. pre Australia. Um, she's on, she had an interview on the long form podcast. I'll drop a link to that uh, as well because I imagine people. <laughs> listening to us talk about basketball and things to read would be interesting. <laughs> but yeah, that's, yeah. she talks about how like just going to this tiny town in Lithuania that barely had internet to try and write the story while a person like LeVar Ball is d- handling the access. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, so like, it's just, it's, it's super interesting. Um, so yeah, that uh, book, was uh, fantastic and i'm also reading uh we are family which uh a, a middle grade novel co-written by uh lebron james who i imagine you've all heard of and uh, <laughs> um writer andrea williams who you all should have heard of um and it's it's been really enjoyable uh so far uh, andrea is someone i'm a big fan of she's a great great twitter twitter follow as well she wrote baseball's leading lady which tells the story of effa manley who is Currently and still the only woman uh, in the uh, Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, she was a, a, an owner of the Newark Eagles in the Negro Leagues and uh, <clears throat> didn't, doesn't get the same sort of shine as Jackie Robinson from that era, but was you know instrumental in the uh, growth of baseball. And her story is pretty incredible as well. So that's another that's middle grade nonfiction. But I, I highly, highly recommend both of those books, Baseball's Leading Lady and We Are Family. And yeah, and I'm going to get just being asked to co-author a book with LeBron fe- feels like impossible. Yeah. Like what would your reaction be if that like your agent or editor or someone just sent you an email that was like there's a chance to collab with LeBron. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> That's I guess an impossible the- <laughs> sentence. <laughs> I mean, I guess the question is like what kind of co-author, what kind of collaborator is LeBron going to be? Uh, on the book you know I feel like if you were collaborating with Kobe he would like almost want to make all the decisions or like you'd you'd make a a good point about the ways in which this sentence needs to be improved and then he'd end up calling you at 5 a.m like saying he was on his like 10,000th word of the night trying to like improve his sentence structure right um I don't know if LeBron would do that uh (laughs) I feel like LeBron would probably be you know I don't know. I really don't know. I don't want to like not give him enough credit or anything. LeBron right. is an incredibly smart and savvy business person. He he's very smart. Like the way he you can if you followed LeBron's career, you can see the evolution, the way he addresses the media, the way he responds to things, the way he um, controls the narrative or you know maneuvers the narrative in the media for his team so I'm certainly not saying like I'm sure LeBron could put a good sentence together but yeah I I wonder I feel like LeBron would probably give you more space you know he likes to pass um, he likes to make people better so you know he would probably want to be doing everything to help you flourish I bet LeBron is a good writer and Kobe was a good writer and it was just one I mean this is like the number 10,000th most heartbreaking thing from his tragic passing, but he was co-writing like a young adult fantasy series with another writer whose name I'm blanking on, but like what there is no sports connection to it. It was completely like other world. There is, you know, some evil villain. And mm-hmm. I think Kobe, you know, post uh, <clears throat> basketball, Kobe probably just one day was like, he was probably was like in a bookstore or something. I was just looking at 
one of the epic like 10 part fantasy series like something like crazy it was just like i'm gonna figure out how to write that and, yeah yeah and i think yeah you're absolutely right kobe would be the one where it'd be intimidating like like imagine like you're the writer he'd be the one emailing you calling you texting you at five in the morning being like i've written ten thousand words and you've I feel like most of writer Twitter is writers complaining that they haven't written anything lately. Yeah. <laughs> so like that would be super intimidating. I, I think LeBron, you know, probably is a little more, uh, yeah, one, one to give, you know, at least share the control a, a little bit. Um, so mm-hmm. probably not as intimidating uh, to go into it. But yeah, I bet LeBron yeah. took, you know, he took it seriously. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what we can say about both players, and again, this is sort of like, I mean, you can take this as a judgment or a negative if you like, but I think it's just a fact. They're both interested in their own legacy. Uh, you know, Kobe was in his case, since he's no longer with us, but, you know, anything that is going to affect their legacy um, and the myth making around them, they're going to be invested in and probably put the time in to shape that. Um, so, yeah. For sure, for sure. And other than that, I'm also reading Conversations with Friends by uh, Sally Rooney uh, because I read Normal People. I, I thought Normal People, she wrote that first, but I'm, I've am now learned that Normal People came later. But that was a, one of my first pandemic reads, actually, was Normal People because that was when the show was super popular. And I always try and read the book before I watch the show or the movie. I didn't end up watching the show, but I, I was going to ask you yeah. about that because I watched the show and haven't read the book yet i borrowed it from my friend but i haven't yet read it and my friend really likes it he's spent some time in ireland um Mm. and you know he basically said uh, of all my critiques that it's just very irish and i'm like well i guess i i can't really say anything since i'm not very familiar with uh, the ways and words of the folks i'm not yeah i don't think i'm one to determine what is is classic irish literature of contemporary irish literature and what's not but uh, I, I did get the chances, like the last international trip I went on before the pandemic, I was in Ireland for a couple of weeks in late 2019. Uh, and w- there's a great, uh, <clears throat> there's obviously just a great, you know, writing history in Ireland and Dublin. There's a great, you know, new museum there about Irish writing history. Uh, so I, p- I picked up, uh, you know, normal people and a couple other, you know, contemporary Irish novels. And uh, yeah, it's, it's Irish as hell. And that's, that's a, that's a big compliment. So I, I, I just, I love, I love the way she does dialogue. Um, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. That um, seems to be the selling point from that. I hear from folks who've, who've read her, her work and, and like it, which is not an insignificant number of people given the, the success of the books. For sure. And obviously a uh, shared sort of thing um, on basketball, basketball Twitter includes WNBA Twitter and if you do have not ordered the most recent issue of Flagrant Magazine, which was a collaboration with Twitter, official WNBA Twitter, for a WNBA issue that came out right before the WNBA Finals uh, started, congratulations again to the Chicago Sky, Candace Parker, and Courtney Vandersloot, Allie Quigley, especially Kalia Copper, who just, I think, gained more uh, fans. Uh, she became more fans' favorite player, I think, in a stretch of a few games like per capita than any other basketball player uh <laughs> in history but pick up that issue uh flagrance the shit we love we love them a lot um mine's still in the mail but i've gotten <laughs> i've gotten to see i've gotten to see uh much of the issue and it's beautiful it's like the most beautiful ma- basketball magazine on the planet so check that out at flagrantmeg.com there's a lot of good stuff in there absolutely and also we are beyond readers Jalen. You and I both write. We've talked about your poetry manuscript a little bit, but you're also doing a lot of work uh, with Razball uh, right now. Um, in addition to, you know, as you mentioned, co-hosting your other your basketball podcast, Shot Tower, which is back with new exciting episodes. Um, what can you tell us about uh, your work at uh, Razball, and you know, where where can people find it, and uh, what should they be looking for? Yeah, so um, the work at Razball is going to be pretty fantasy focused. Uh, what I'll be writing this year mainly um, is the Sunday recap. So every Sunday, I'll be writing about the games that took place that Sunday, uh, you know, with uh, fantasy impacts, maybe some real NBA impacts, 
Um, and what I try to do, and I'm not sure if this is the case for you as well, but sometimes when I'm in a rut and sometimes when I'm not in a rut, it feels like my sports writing is the avenue for journaling um, as well as uh, cultural criticism in a way that like maybe my poetry isn't. And so, you know, I think some of the pieces that I like the most are when I use the introduction to kind of explore that sort of like personal narrative and cultural critique and then jump into the like more strict by the numbers fantasy stuff so that's what you can expect um and you know I wrote a (laughs) I essentially wrote a prose poem about uh a prose poem in the voice of LaMelo Ball um amazing how have I missed this (laughs) uh so yeah I did that last year like uh I think around the time of the draft there was like all this toxic conversation about him from the likes of people like uh you know Ben Simmons and Ryan Rosillo and just you know the the cloud of LeVar Ball hangs over his children and influences the way they're talked about in my opinion so I kind of wanted to do a interesting fun pushback on all that sort of stuff so yeah sometimes it's sometimes my basketball writing is less by the numbers um so Mm -hmm. i I like i like to balance it out in that way um what about you are you working on anything these days i i'm jealous of that because my so my manuscript currently uh, i guess the main one there's (laughs) i'm really good at starting projects (laughs) i think a lot of people can relate to but i'd say the manuscript that's closest i've been working on the longest is an essay collection about basketball like uh, essay, essay collection on like the human condition through the lens of basketball. So a lot of it is like kind of journaling. Um, I'm working on a piece uh, right now that's an ode to Rashid Wallace and is all, it's a love letter to Rashid, but also equally uh, a hate letter to certain media members that covered him in a, in a certain way during his career. And a couple who uh, even on like Twitter now re- refuse to you know give him credit and still say negative mm-hmm. things about him and somehow just can't let it go and I'm like this is this is why people had this you know false pretense that Rashid Wallace was a bad guy during uh, the trailblazer years but but when I'm in a rut with that like I don't know it's like that's kind of it is journaling to an extent and then maybe maybe writing essays is just journaling and it's essays are revised journal entries um yeah so I may I don't know I might just need to start writing poetry just to get words down and (laughs) not send them anywhere because they won't be good but that might be how I I break out of out of my ruts but I'm still working on on that uh again um, and then also we're uh, we're close to uh, publishing another uh, issue of the under review. We're open uh, for submissions until November first, so more and more of those are coming in. So I'm doing a lot of uh, reading uh, submissions right now. But I need to I need to get back in the in the writing chair and knock some words out. I have it. Um, there's a I've, I've had a YA novel first chapter and sort of like outline prepared for a long time. And I've got some friends who want to do NaNoWriMo. Uh, for those who may not be familiar, that's National Novel Writing Month in November. The goal is to write 50,000 words in one month. I've signed up for it before. I've never hit 50,000 before. Um, <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is just to, you know, write a lot. So maybe maybe I'll, maybe I'll, this will be the November for me uh, for, for that project. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I've never participated in any of these sorts of things, you know, um, but maybe I should, but maybe I should. I feel like it's so hard, especially now, you know, I'm doing the Shot Tower pod, doing this podcast, and just trying to watch a lot of games so that I can actually have informed opinions about yeah. <laughs> the NBA when I write about it. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's what makes Time management is a thing. I'm, I'm just drinking a lot of coffee. That's the only solution really that I have right go. now. There you go. That counts as writing. <clears throat> and yeah, and I'm also uh, t- taking up, you know, time and energy is just hoping that this is the year my, my beloved Minnesota Timberwolves can uh, can crack the play-in tournament. <laughs> that's that's the expectation I'm leaving. Um, I want, you know, Ant to evolve uh, to, or to keep evolving because it was it was really it was really fun, even though our season was over. But to see him really take off in the second half of last year when so many you know talking heads were just determined to call him a bust 
when he had like you know 10 games into a, a pandemic season with no training camp so um him waving to the haters as he you know dunks the rim into a million pieces is uh always always fun um <laughs> but yeah you had it in the notes that we should talk about the wolves now while while hope is potentially high because uh, <laughs> they haven't lost yet the season just started they just tipped off and with six minutes and 57 seconds left in the first quarter the timberwolves are beating the houston rockets 11 to 9 so things are positive right now jalen um I'm, I'm feeling good about this team it does not include ben simmons <laughs> but I, I think it's an interesting team. And uh, Zach Lowe had some nice things to say about us in his annual league pass rankings. Um, I think it will be an interesting team to watch. Yeah. Um, I mean, I only got a chance to take him once in my fantasy draft. I was in a, I think I'm in four leagues and I think I only have cat in one of them, but I was really high uh, on cat coming into the season. It just seemed like he's in a better headspace. seems like he's lost some weight. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for him. I'm hoping that, you know, I mean, I think he pretty said pretty plainly that basketball will never be the same kind of escape it once was before his mother passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, which is totally understandable. Um, but yeah, I'm just hoping, you know, it would be nice to see cat play really well to play up to his potential to, um, you know, return maybe to that conversation about being one of the better bigs in the league alongside guys like Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, because he's, you know, probably equally as skilled as all of those players, you know, he's a better shooter than both of them. Um, probably not as good of a, a passer as Jokic, but probably a better passer than Embiid, not as good maybe on the post as Jokic, but pretty similar. So he's got the talent and Anthony Edwards is a lot of fun. And we sort of talked about a little bit the ways in which, uh, writers um you know we should say that like the nba is a league predominantly of black players that's predominantly covered by like generally white male journalists um and i think that leads to some certain conversations and some ways of approaching uh players particularly when they're young um mm -hmm. before they really like made a name for themselves in the league and i think you know i think that was certainly a part of the anthony edwards conversation you know there's he wasn't a dogged defender let's say when he was in college he was taking a lot of shots some of them were pretty bad shots mm -hmm. um he wasn't super efficient um he's a really funny guy great charisma but i think it's very easy if you don't really believe in a prospect to turn that sort of collection of facts into he doesn't care about the game he's lazy um you know he's not going to figure it out and then also to like start going into places of him not being smart enough to be a good passer and, right. and different things like that so i i'm certain that was sort of part of the conversation it inevitably is um and yeah it, it was really nice to see and like i wasn't super high on him myself uh coming in but like i watched him and within like a couple weeks i was like he's a way better passer than i thought he was like, I just think that alone made me like fairly confident that he would figure things out in a way that would be really impactful. Well, while you were just saying nice things about the Timberwolves, Jalen, they scored another six points and now lead 17 to nine. So keep <laughs> saying you. nice things about the Wolves. Jalen. There you this go. Podcast episode is going to be five hours of you just 82 you know, and 0. 82 and 0. Hey, it's got to win the first one first, and we haven't lost it yet. Um, <laughs> I think that brings us to the end of this, uh, this first uh, edition of Bright Eye Reads. Um, Under Review Radio will be back uh, next Thursday. Uh, October 28th uh, with an author interview with the winner of Under Review's Chapbook Contest, Raisa Tolchinsky. Uh, Raisa is one of the, you know, best up-and-coming poets. You can write, write her name down because you're going to be hearing more from her and uh, is also a badass boxer and has a lot of, you know, interesting things to say. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear my uh, conversation with Raisa. And then, Jalen, you and I will be back two weeks from now. And Sounds good. I said we weren't going to talk about Ben Simmons anymore, but to get out of here, <laughs> you also tweeted today the question, what does Roske think about the Ben Simmons situation? I was yeah. supposed to interview Ross. <laughs> it, it didn't happen originally scheduled, but spoiler alert, he may or may not be a guest on an upcoming <laughs> under review radio episode. And there you uh, go. if I get the chance, 
I'm going to ask him what he thinks about the Ben Simmons situation. Yeah, you got to ask him. I mean, it seems like he's a Sixers fan based on Mm -hmm. Beholding and just his fandom of Dr. J. And he's obviously an NBA fan and a sports fan in general, an athlete, a former athlete himself, Mm -hmm. which is like, seems like if you if you if you didn't play overseas or in college i'm not sure if you're really allowed to be a poet a popular poet these days um <laughs> between terrence hayes and natalie diaz um it's 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 hard out here if you don't got the handles or a nice jumper um right. you know i always said that uh before the pandemic and and before awp was this weird hybrid situation i was like i need to i need to get more poetry publications so i can hoop with uh the the major contemporary poets. That's really what yeah, I want. <laughs> for sure. Well, hey, you'll get there. The next and by the next AWP, which happens to be in Philadelphia. Yep. That's poetic. <laughs> I'm not a poet, but that's poetic. All right. Um, thank you, Jalen, for making time for this. This was so much fun. I'm looking forward to more in the future. Uh, and uh, hopefully you're listening to this while the Timberwolves have a nice, crisp 1-0 record, baby. Um, the heat probably do because that's what the heat do. So <laughs> congratulations in advance, Jalen. Thank you. Hopefully you're right. Um, go wolves. Kinda. <laughs> I guess I can support the heat as an Eastern conference team. If you support the wolves. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you again to my Friday reads co-host Jalen Utsi. Be sure to follow Jalen on Twitter at, at Jalen Utsi. That's J A L E N. E-U-T-S-E-Y and follow all of his work at razzball.razzball.com R-A-Z-Z-B-A-L-L.com for all of your fantasy hoops needs this season. If you haven't already, please give Under Review Radio a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Also remember to tune in again next week when I'll be joined by author, poet, and the winner of the Under Review Chapbook Contest, Rasa Tolchinski. Raisa is such an amazing writer and human, and I know you're going to love my conversation with her, so please don't miss out. Thank you so much for supporting the Under Review and independent sports literature, of course. And for the Under Review and Blue Wire Hustle, I'm Terry Horseman, and I'll see you next week. Peace.